Welcome to the Fish Fry. We're coming at you every Friday. My name's Courtney, and I'm here with my co-host, Eric. We are the two co-founders of Sourfish Events. Last week, we had kind of an offbeat topic where we discussed our nomadic lifestyle. And I say that loosely because we do have a home base, but we talked about all things travel, life on the road, and how we operate a business while being remote. This week, we are going to talk about how to plan a 5K. This is a request we get a lot. People email in wanting us to plan a 5K for them. Uh, so while we don't offer that surface, uh, here's the abridged version of how we do it. Take notes. You wanna hop in, Eric? Yeah, so basically, um, this is a fun topic that we thought of because again, like Courtney said, we do get emails, messages, all that, all the time. Yeah. With people saying, how do I plan a 5K? Um, and so obviously it's, it's an interest for a lot of people. Um, I think there's also a lot of good reasoning why people want to plan a 5k that's, you know, that can include, uh, just something fun for their community. A lot of people want to plan a 5k to help raise donations for a certain cause. Some people just love running and think it'd be fun to put on a 5k. Yeah. Um, I know. Like for me, I first wanted to start planning a 5k when I was in college and wanted to do it for our uh, college radio station. So I had reached out to somebody I knew at the time who was just like an avid runner and kind of reached out to him and was like, what do I do? <laughs> and then we actually never ended up doing it because we ended up doing a different event for the radio station. But I look back on that time and I'm like, that's funny because that turned into my career. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, we everyone has their different reasoning for why they want to do a 5K. Um, and they all kind of start from different areas. So since we get this question so often and we are kind of just trying to find like a topic that we think would be generally appealing, mm-hmm. um, you know, if not a little bit of, you know, it's a little bit fascination too. some people sit there and they, you know, you get to an event and you say, okay, cool. This event's set up well, awesome. I ran the race and don't really think much of it, Right. but there's so much that goes into it. So. I'm a nerd and I always like to learn like kind of, you know, how the sausage is made type thing. (laughs) So this will be kind of that, but for how a 5k is made. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. So again, we are no official authority, but we do have a lot of experience. And since it's such a popular question, we're going to share some insights. So Courtney, what are the 14 steps to planning a 5k? Ooh, step one, choose the name and theme. Two, location and date. Three, create a course and get permits. Build a budget, create online presence and open registration. Promote the event, plan the details, get sponsors, order items you need, get volunteers, coordinate with the EMS, the police, and other on-site crews, blow that air horn, clean up, and thank all involved. Boom. So, podcast is over. All right, cool. It's done. All right, we'll see you guys (laughs) next week. Wait a minute. (laughs) That sounds a little too easy. Yeah, I think so. That was kind of the 14-step process, and that's very much similar to some master chef telling you all the ingredients to a fantastic recipe, but then leaving zero detailed instructions on how to execute it. So we're not going to leave you hanging. Let's go over how we plan a typical 5K. All right. Let's let's do it. Let's commence the 497-step guide. Is that how many steps you really put in here? No. Okay. Um, and in fact, like, <laughs> I wrote, this is our longest list of this podcasts. This is a very notes. long podcast. Yeah. Um, we're <laughs> going to try and skip through some stuff. But really, as I was writing these notes out, it, I became overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> and I left some things out because I'm like, that is unnecessary to Yeah. Include. And as we go through here, some of this is probably going to be unnecessary. But we'll... We'll give you what we what we think you need to yeah. know. Yeah, so 497 steps. There's probably more than that, um, but we're not including 497 steps here. We'll be here all night. Yeah. Um, also, just to note, you know, we're trying to keep this in somewhat of a chronological order, but realize that some things happen out of order. Sometimes some things are happening constantly, like volunteer recruitment, and some things kind of reoccur throughout the whole process. Um, so yeah, you'll and you'll probably pick up on things, yeah. especially if you actually go to plan your first 5K, you'll realize very quickly that some things are an ongoing thing and some things are more of a quick checklist type yep. item. 
So we're gonna pretend like this is our first 5K, and so here are some of the initial steps kind of starting from the very beginning. So the very, very first thing, and we kind of hinted to it earlier, is your why. Why are you planning your 5K? I mean, that's kind of what, that's the most important question I think you have to ask yourself is why are you doing this? Are you doing it for charity? Are you doing it for a neighborhood event? Figure out your why and then based off of that you'll come up with your theme and then once you have your theme your name will follow yeah and themes um you know in the in the running world there's a lot of consistent themes mm -hmm. um you know there's like color runs there's charity runs there are mud runs there are superhero runs there are halloween and you don't need runs, to have like runs. a like a theme theme like that everything it has could... a theme well it does <laughs> Okay, Kelly. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be like a theme. Like it has to be a mud runner. It has to be a color run. It, it can literally be, this is a run for charity and my, my theme is giving back. And then you can go from there. So once you have your theme and your name, you can really think, all right, who is going to run your race? Are you doing this for families, for kids, for... People trying to complete their first 5K, is it meant for people running, walking? Um, seasoned or it, athletes. Yeah, seasoned athletes. Like, who, who is running a race? And go from there. And one thing to, you know, kind of, you know, make a little note here is that if you're going to come up with a themed race, like a color run, you probably should quickly realize that you're not going to have these super serious athletes that are you know trying trying to get into the boston marathon and also, running your race if you are going to do a themed race like a color run do not call it the color run because you will get sued <laughs> so don't do that so you need to check trademarks the, these very first few steps are the things that you can think of before you actually make any move at all these are the things mm -hmm. that you sit around during a happy hour with friends and family talking ideas. This is all a really important part, but a really fun part of the process. And you're not, a, you don't, your back isn't against the wall or you're up against the clock. Mm -hmm. This is just things you think of early on and time is on your side for these. Because once you get a little further along, time quickly isn't on your side. Correct. As you'll find out. All right. So. During all of this as well, you need to start thinking of what kind of race you want. So by what kind we mean, do you want it to be a trail race? Do you want it to be in a downtown setting, a park setting? Do you want to have an indoor track? Or an outdoor track. Or an outdoor track. Or a beach. That'd be fun. Yeah, beach, a boardwalk, whatever. These are the questions you need to ask yourself because it goes into, it kind of directs where you're going to go in some of the next steps. So think about that because they're all options. Um, next big thing when you're really starting to get into some of the actual race planning is going to be the date. So Courtney, tell us about dates. Well, take this for example. If you're going to have it on a beach, now look at where that beach is located. Look at the weather. Is it during hurricane season? Is it over the summer when it's super hot? Is it over the winter when it's a more like mild climate? And um, also, are there other large events the weekend that you're looking at? Um, does it have to be on a weekend? Like, so always have alternative dates in mind and make sure that whatever date you choose like, will work with everything we've already talked about. The yeah. theme, the location, the, who you're attracting. Like, make sure all of that kind of flows together and meshes, comes together as one. If you're doing an Independence Day run on the 4th of July or around there, don't have your race start at 10 a.m. You know why? Because it's hot. It's going to be very hot. You want that race to be at the crack of dawn, but not a moment before. Yeah. And that's also another thing to think of. If you're having an early morning race, make sure you know when the sun rises. Yep. Nothing is worse Definitely than showing up on race day and realizing, hey, when's the sun coming up today? And you realize that your race starts at 7 a.m., but the sun isn't out until 7.30. Yep. Raises all sorts of issues. Yeah, so definitely do that. Um, so very important, very, very important. Now that you have all that, you know, kind of locked down and an idea of what you want to do, you need to contact the right people and um, get the location and date secure. So you can't just show up in downtown Akron and start running down Main Street and expect it to be okay. 
Um, you need the police for road closures. You need an EMS team. You need so many things. <laughs> right. So how, Courtney, let's say one of the most popular race options is going to be the one where you go and you have a park reserved kind of mm-hmm. for your staging area. And then you're going to run down some city streets and or bike paths, things like that. Yeah. So let's say this person that's planning the 5K, it's early on. Who do they contact first and kind of tell us like that flow of getting that date and route secured? I think the first the first contact for that situation would probably be the parks department. Um, contact the parks department. Make sure that the park that you are looking to stage this event in is even available on the date that you want it. If you are using any city streets or needing to cross the street or anything of the sort, then you do need to contact the police because they're likely going to be the ones who close the road for you. Um, and it's also, not always the case. It's not necessarily always like I know in one city that we had, um, they didn't require us to have the police close the road. We just had like a lane closure of like a not that busy road. Um, I personally still contacted them because I wanted them there, but it wasn't, I don't think every event that hosted that park would have done that um and then i mean every city kind of has like their own list of who you need to contact there are some cities that are just like so good at um showing you like what you need to do like for example columbus ohio shout out to columbus ohio they have a race planning guide on their website and this guide is like extensive and thorough so it walks you through everything you need to do, every person you need to contact from police department to the fire department to um, who at the parks department you need to work with, etc. And so you, the, there are cities that have that done for you, um, but not every city does. In fact, most don't. And I think one thing to do and realize here is that you will have huge aspirations for your first race, which you should, but you also need to be tethered to reality. And unless you are creating some groundbreaking race that takes off like wildfire, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be expecting tens of thousands of no. runners at your first event. And therefore, you should look at other 5Ks that have t- happened in the area. And when you're talking with like the police and the parks, just say, hey, we saw this 5K, we saw the route they did. And they will tell you, They'll be able to tell you, oh, they closed down all these streets, but they didn't need to. They could use some bike paths yeah. here and there. Because, again, if you have only, and I don't want to say only like in a demeaning way, but if you have a couple hundred people, that's great for a first-year right. run, but you don't need to shut down you don't need a four-lane street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Because that would get really expensive. And like going back to like Columbus, Ohio, for example, they, um, they, they as the city, have predetermined routes which I think is a pro and a con for a lot of people. Like pro, there's the city is is a pro, <laughs> they're pros at shutting down those streets. They know exactly what to do um, with those with those routes. They know all right, you're doing this course. Um, you need this many cones. You need this many barriers. You need this many officers. Um, but then they also contacting the, the parks department there. If you say hey, you know I only have only still a lot if you say i only have 500 people they're gonna say you don't need to close the road for 500 people you can use the bike path that goes along this entire route and save thousands of dollars right so this kind of bleeds into um creating your race budget so you need to understand you know what you're going to spend on this and come up with estimates um and always realize that there's cheaper ways to do things so we just talked about instead of closing down 3.1 3.1 miles worth of streets, maybe mm-hmm. you can do it all on bike path and save a significant chunk of money. Yeah. And you could talk to the parks and say, hey, we want to do we want to do all on bike path, but if we hit 500 people registered, can we start part of it on the streets and transition to the bike path yeah. later? So don't get don't get lulled into the idea that you need to close down 3.1 miles of city streets because that is a ton of money in most cities. Yeah. Um but yeah, going into your budget, you need to kind of realize first and foremost, you don't want to lose money. It's so easy to lose money because you'll quickly learn putting on a race is very expensive and every dollar counts. So create your budget, understand how you're going to make your money. You know, registration fees are one thing, but also getting money from 
sponsors, getting mm-hmm. money from you know extra merchandise sales. There's all sorts of ways to try and bring in some more revenue. And it's very, very critical for first year events to really try and cast a wider net as far as how they're gonna make the money. Be scrappy. Be scrappy, yes, um, that's for sure. So once permits have been given the green light, you're gonna kind of branch into two directions and this is where you're gonna be doing a lot of things kind of at the same time and on reoccurring basis for some of them. So um, first thing is going to kind of get your registration, promotion, online presence, all that going. And then on the flip side, you're also getting things planned. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the two broad categories of where your energies are going to be focused. Yeah, I mean, and it's all happening simultaneously. Yep, and this is where you're on the clock um, because you have that event, you know, the event date is set. You have the parks and police signed off on it. It's kind of a set in stone deal. So now, hopefully you're a year out or 11, 10 months out. Yeah. Um, If you are a few months out, you would probably be worried. You have a lot to do. (laughs) Yeah. But regardless, we're going to kind of go over what all happens in that year-ish horizon from your race. Let's do it. So one of the first things that we do is establish the online presence. So you're going to want to figure out, do I need a logo and branding? And most likely you're going to need something. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, especially for a first year race, you don't have photos from previous races. Right. You really need to find someone or a service that can come up with your, your logo. It's kind of going to be based off of your race name as well as your overall theme. And this is going to cost money. So add it into your budget. Yes. This is where if you have someone in your circle or a friend that you know that does graphic design, don't make them work for free, but discuss with them. See how they can help you. See how they can help you and compensate them. Um, Especially if this is like a first year event, you know, there's so much excitement around it. Your friends and people that you know are going to be super stoked to help out, um, but realize that their time is, you know, they should be compensated for it. For sure. So you're getting all that going. At the same time, you need to figure out your registration provider because we are now living in 2021 and mail-in registration forms are kind of a thing in the past they should be they yeah um so everything's online now um for most registrations and it's way easier like don't even bother (laughs) like if you do a mail-in form you're just stressing yourself out and causing more work for yourself yes i know people tend to like newer races and smaller races do tend to kind of stray from the online because they don't want to pay processing fees or anything like that but honestly It's worth it. Like everything is in one place for you and it's all organized. If you do mail-in forms, you have to worry about cashing checks and like checks bouncing and it's a mess. People sending in a registration form thinking they signed up, it got lost in the mail, they show up on race day. Right, like you do it online. Also with the benefit of online, you're using a registration platform and We've been using Run Sign Up for several years. They're one of the um, kind of like the event leader, mm-hmm. and they have all sorts of extra services for you, f- from helping with marketing to race day check-in to all sorts of tools. Like your website, like yeah, ten out of ten recommend Run Sign Up. So that is the first step. Um, well, I shouldn't say first step, but right after you get your logo <laughs> and stuff going, get your registration. All of these steps site. are first step that you do at once. Yes, basically. <laughs> um, Think of a website and you just kind of hit the nail on the yeah, head. Yeah, like run sign up. You can make your own website using their platform. Yeah, you don't necessarily need um, a whole other website, especially for if you just have one event, you're getting it off the ground. Yeah. Um, run sign up and all the other you know uh, registration providers out there have some form of website esque yeah. landing pages, registration pages. So use that. Um, Social media, you need to figure out what social media platforms you want to be on. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. I mean, the list goes on. Um, my word of advice is don't try to do all of them. Yeah. Like, pick your pick your few and do them well. Right. Um, there's so many out there nowadays, and if you get bogged down with, you know, trying to 
tweet every day and trying to post on Snapchat it's and like then doing Instagram posts, Facebook posts. Yeah, it's it's not worth it. Choose a couple, especially look at you know your target audience. Where are they going to be? Yeah, that's true. Like if you have, I guess if you're marketing to a younger audience, maybe you should be on TikTok. Maybe yep. maybe you should you know look at that. But otherwise, I think if you're marketing to an older audience, don't you don't need to worry about TikTok right now. Yep. Um, and that kind of couples with the rest of the <clears throat> rest of promotion. So people aren't just going to show up at your race. You need to promote it, whether it's paid advertising, like online ads using like Facebook, Instagram, Google, all that. Yeah. It's a great way to advertise. It's a great way to waste money too. So be <laughs> smart. Um, do local ads, billboards, yard signs throughout the neighborhood, newsletters. And the most powerful one is word of mouth. Um, also, with all of this, you need to figure out how are runners, volunteers, vendors, all those people that become involved in this race in some way, shape, or form, how are they going to contact you? My recommendation is email. <laughs> um, set up an email for this race. Like If you're just setting up like a local charity 5K, get a Gmail account specifically for this race and uh, go from there. Like If you have everybody calling you, you're going to lose track. You're not going to be able to stay organized. People will contact you at all hours of the day. Give yourself some sanity and put all communication in an inbox and go from there. Yeah, and like Courtney said, create a, a free email account like on Gmail. Do Mary's Charity 5K yeah. at gmail.com. It's free and that way all your communication for the is race. Is in one place. Yep. Um, next thing to think about is where will the money be going? So assuming you've set up online registration or even if you're accepting checks by mail as we have advised against but if that's what you want to do you do you what how are you going to deposit the money yeah are you, is it going into your personal account are you opening up some sort of bank account if it's for a charity um do you have access to that account like think of the think small but very critical thing where the money will actually be deposited yeah because you do need to do accounting for this later yes so. accounting and also thinking of sales tax, um, something that people don't think of until you're doing it and you realize, oh, am I collecting sales tax on this? How do I do that? Right. Um, luckily, Run Sign Up has a marketplace sales tax system that kind of is all automated for a lot of states out there that are a marketplace system. So again, just a plug for Run Sign Up, but um, that's something that becomes a little easier if you use them. Okay, so establishing now kind of, I guess, like that was like all the back end stuff. Like that's like the important back end stuff that you need to really think of. But now is like the fun part of like race, like planning for race day, which is still a lot of back end stuff, but it's more of like the back end stuff that people see. <laughs> right. Um, and one thing I didn't put this in our notes, but while we, when we get started on this part, and it's basically, the next section is called planning. Yeah. Um, find, come up with some method for recording all of this. Um, whether you use something like a Google document or using some sort of software online, we use Basecamp. But for the whole planning process, there's so many small details that you need to plan out and also reference back later. You need to have notes of these. Yeah. Don't trust your very sharp brain to remember all this. Um, so as we go through here, you're going to quickly realize how overwhelming it can become but if you use something like Basecamp or Google Docs yeah like, you can keep it all keep all in one place keep notes write things down because you will forget so let's dive into planning Courtney kick us off all right what time are you going to do packet pickup what time do the roads need to close what time do volunteers and staff arrive um, what time do we even have the park available for us to use do you have a day before to set up or are you setting up the morning of the race and what time does it end? What time do you need to be cleaned up and out of there? Um, you run in restrooms. What time does the restroom company have to come get their stuff? Can they sit there till Monday? Better be careful. Like they could. I don't know who's going to steal a restroom, but other things like what, UTVs. What? Yeah. Those can get stolen. <laughs> yep. So things like that. You need to think about all of that. Um, what time does music and the MC start on race morning? When are we lining people up at the start line? What time is start time? Yep. Should never, one golden rule of races, never be late. If you say 
The start time is 8 o'clock. Do not wait till 8.01 to blow the air horn. Right at the stroke of 8 a.m., you blow that air horn. Unless there's an emergency. Of course. One time I was running a race where um, the, like, what happened? <laughs> Sorry, pregnancy brain. I was running a race where the start was delayed, um, and it was, it was delayed because they had to reroute the entire 5K at the very last minute because, a, like, a truck, like a semi-truck got stuck under a bridge. Like, things like that can happen. Yep. So if that were to happen or something crazy, like, have a backup plan just in case. Like, all right, we can't take this street anymore. Is there another way that we can connect, like, the route? Or do we have to wait for this truck to move? Yes, and realize that that those things are unlikely and it might not be a truck getting stuck mm-hmm. under a bridge that causes right, like your issue it could be something like your half your volunteers didn't show up mm-hmm. just think of contingency plans for anything that could go wrong because i promise you this we've never ever 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 had a race where every single detail that we planned out went perfectly right something um, will go wrong and that also speaks to you need to understand that going into it and remain flexible if you get bent out of shape over i don't know a pop-up tent breaking and collapsing um blowing away yeah yeah like these things you gotta let things kind of roll off your shoulder um you know take things seriously always have backup plans but realize things will go wrong and you if you overreact and stress out about it it's gonna hurt everything else for sure um cool so Another thing in the early planning stages is kind of who will your core team be? So assuming you're just organizing your first 5K, you're going to lean on your family a lot. Um, family, friends, people like that. Maybe people from your church, your community, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, wh- whatever people you usually surround yourself with, you're probably going to be leaning on some of those people. Yeah. Like you've heard us talk about how we work with race day events and like that helps us staff. You do not necessarily need to outsource and hire professionals for everything right away. Our first few, like our first, what, two or three years, we literally, it was the two of us in family. Was it a lot? Yep. <laughs> was it exhausting? Yep. Do I wish we could have hired people early on, earlier? Yep. But they're there to help you. Your fam- friends and family, your church, whoever, your school, whoever's there, they wanna be a part of it, they wanna help you, let them get involved. Yeah, so figuring out that core team early on um, is going to be critical. You're you're the lead race director. You're calling the shots, doing all the planning. But especially come race day, you're going to want those family members or friends or whoever to be there. Yeah, and you're going to have assigned roles for them. Um, and that's something to know that you know in your pre-race planning meetings with them, you're going to go over what they should be doing. On yeah, site. and of course, if you can afford to hire outside help. Like, by all means, do it. Yeah, if it's a big event, all If it's that. a big event and you can afford it, by all means, do it. Um, I recommend race day events. They travel. <laughs> they will travel. Um, and then, like, you know, volunteers as well. You can never have enough. Yeah, so we'll talk about volunteers uh, further down. But definitely, um, you know, and also figure out, like, with all these people, you know, we talked about the roles that your friends, family, all that will play on race day figure out what your volunteers are going to be doing as well. Yeah, like um, find their shifts and like the general thing they'll be doing depending on their shift time. Like for us, for example, our early morning shift, they're doing packet pickup. Um, but our mid shift, they're course marshals. They're helping at the finish line, water station, things like that. Yeah, and realize that you don't want to get too granular here. You don't want to say, okay, these three volunteers that signed up for this shift are going to be stationed here the whole time. Realize that come race day, you have volunteers that don't show up or needs change on race day. Mm -hmm. Um, Just have a kind of a general idea of all these people that are here from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. We're going to use kind of in these areas. And as they check in on race day, you're going to kind of know where you need to put them when and what they need to do. Yeah, be flexible. Yeah. Um, So definitely as you're going through this, be sure to have several meetings in the months and weeks leading up to race day. These meetings are with your core team, um, just basically going over what's been done, what needs done, how registration's going, all that type of stuff. Just don't let meetings fall by the wayside. Um, yeah. They don't have to be crazy long meetings. You can literally do quick it. Quick and efficient. Yeah, quick and efficient. Um, but make sure you plan them just so everyone is on the same page. And if you, you might get overwhelmed as you get closer and closer. So having some people to lean on will be helpful. 
Yeah, you know, we talked about relying on those around you to help kind of staff out your first event, but there is always room to hire people, um, especially for the like really important services. Like you can't not hire EMS or police or timing. <laughs> yeah. So let's go over all the different services that you might need to hire for making your race happen. Yeah. So you just said EMS is non-negotiable. Yeah. And, but with that, I will say that you might be able to get a, like a volunteer fire department to volunteer. So I don't know. It hasn't, it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> But you could reach out to your local EMS or fire department and see if they would volunteer. If it is a volunteer department, they might, and they might do it for a donation. Yeah. So you're still hiring them, but it's going to be a little less than if you were to straight up hire a medical team. Yeah. So you have that. We've talked about police a lot. Um, one thing to note for police, they're not just for road closures, but you also want someone to kind of be walking around on site just to have general security on For site. For sure. So that can be, we try to have police on site, but sometimes we supplement it with like private security. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said timing. So most races are chip timed. Yeah. Um, they offer, you know, timers offer a lot more than just chip timing. They will quickly. They can help you with your registration. Yeah. So. Timers, you know, a lot of them have been around for a long time and that which is great because you can kind of lean on them for advice um this is something you should talk with them you know when you're going into those initial like interviews with them and trying to pick out your timing company see what services they can offer see what they might be able to provide bibs yeah i was gonna say they can provide bibs and safety pins they can provide help with planning the race Mm -hmm. they can help provide course markings um they can help you you know, set up your volunteers. Like there's so much they can help with experience and they might be able to just kind of help you plan this whole thing from the beginning. Yes. In which case you don't need this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) One thing to note though, is you discuss this with your timers because you don't want to expect this from your timers as they are, you know, they, they work, they do this for a living. So they do need to kind of know going into it, what's expected of them. Yeah. So, um, and obviously you are going to pay for this. Yes. So, but invaluable resource. Yep. Um, other things you're going to be hiring, um, tents. So if you need a registration tent, you know, a large party tent, um, you need to rent those tents and they need to probably put them up for you. They absolutely need to put them up for you. I don't know. I've taken one down. (laughs) That's for another day. Uh, portable restrooms, parking crew. If you're doing it at like a farm or someplace where where there's not a parking lot. Yeah. Um, dumpsters and recycling vehicles like you, you know all-terrain vehicles yeah. you can zip around golf the course. carts whatever you need to get around the course um, a DJ someone to play music and make announcements this is somewhere you can save um, as long as you have someone who's comfortable on a microphone and is okay with you know and and energetic enough to get the get people excited then you can probably do the DJing and announcements yourself but if not, hire someone. Um, other things to, you know, that you need to hire or at least get food trucks if you want food mm-hmm. at your event. That is something that you should not be paying for, but rather either you do some type of revenue share with them or you just agree to have them there and they're there for basically a service for participants. Yep. Um, vendors. So a lot of people post race, they want to do like, you know, see like craft booths and different types of things to buy. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing that you might not think of until you're knee deep into planning are how are you going to close these roads? You're going to have the police there, but are they going to provide cones? Are they going to provide barricades? Right. Like who is doing that? And I know in certain cities they have, again, I'll go back to Columbus because they really seriously have it together. Um, they have their, their recommendations of local companies who can provide the barricades and they'll go out there and those companies can either drop the the kids the night before and you can go set them up or they'll do it on race morning for you of course for a fee so now we've talked about all these services that we need to hire and where are they where are they all going and that kind of leads into creating a site plan for your race so courtney talk to us a little bit about what goes into creating a site plan you need to make sure it flows for your event um don't have 
you know, restrooms super far away from the start and finish line or far away from where they're picking up packets. You need to make sure everything is is in one place and easily accessible while not being on top of one another. You also need to think about your start and finish line layout. Is your start line going to be your finish line or are you going to have a separate start and finish? Um, How's the layout going to look? Are you going to have barricades lining the chute? If you're going to have a common start and finish line, meaning it's the same place, uh, will everybody have the chance to start before the first runner comes through to finish? Huge, huge thing. (laughs) Um, How are you going to mark the course to ensure nobody gets lost? You don't want to send people out on the course and wonder, huh, how are they how are they finding their way yeah like is a is a policeman leading the way on a motorcycle or in his cruiser or do you have arrows or do you have cones like how is it going to work right um, course marshals is one thing that can help with that mm-hmm. so a course marshal are they're typically volunteers that you take to places where you need runners to take a turn yeah um so if you're not using arrows, or even if you are using arrows, having course marshals on the course is super helpful. They can sit there and point runners in the right direction. And also another benefit is that you can train that volunteer to kind of be a point of contact back to you. So yeah. if someone is dehydrated on the course or someone twists an ankle or something, and your EMS that you have roaming around the course hasn't gotten to them yet, the volunteer who's a course marshal can get back to you, you know, via phone, walkie talkie, whatever it might be to let you know that, Hey, we need help at, you know, mile marker 0.25 or whatever it might be. Super helpful. Um, other things on, you know, on site that you need to kind of figure out where you're going to place them are trash cans. Uh, where are all your tents going to be? You said restrooms already, Courtney. Yeah, Yeah. Don't place the restrooms right next to the pack of pickup tent. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, smelly. Also, staging area. Where are people going to kind of hang out before? Like, if, you har- if you're closing a road, you're not going to be able to have people standing in that road an hour before. Mm-mm. Maybe off to the side, you need a staging area where they can hang out until it's time to get lined up. And I know this can make people nervous. Like, it still makes me nervous. Um, a lot of times when you're doing an event in a downtown area, those roads aren't getting closed until, like, right before the race starts. Yep. And they might do a rolling closure, meaning if there's a if you're running a mile and a half down the road, they're not going to close that intersection a mile and a half down the road until ten minutes into the race because no one's gonna hit it. Like yeah, until it's, that time. It's, it's nerve wracking, but nerve wracking. But you have to have a good solid plan in place with your police because that way everyone like communicate because that way everyone's on the same page and they're they know what they're doing, you know what you're doing be on the same page and everything works out. So that is kind of covering the site plan, what you need to think of. Let's move into race week. So definitely taking a huge leap forward. It is now race week. What all are you doing in the kind of like the six, seven days leading up to the event? Like I just said, communicate. (laughs) Um, Communicate with not only like the police and EMS, um, you need to com- communicate with all hired vendors. Make sure those tents are still coming. When are they coming? What time are they coming? Uh, make sure the restrooms are getting there on time. Um, and then beyond like you know communication with your vendors, communicate with your runners and your volunteers and your staff and make sure you know everyone is on the same page and everyone has the proper information of what is going on that week. Um, also, you know, if you're hosting in a park, definitely circle back with the park and make sure everything's uh, good to go. You just stay on that checklist that you've already created and we told you to create and just mark things off and make sure everything is getting done. Don't assume that someone is going to remember what to do because they might not. Yeah, don't feel like you're annoying people if you haven't spoken with them for like a month or so. Yeah. And you need to, you know, you're sitting there race week and you're like, ooh, yeah, we're supposed to have bananas delivered. Uh, Saturday at 6 a.m., but you haven't heard from them in a month. Everything should be good to go, but do that reminder just to make sure that they're good because, you know, those are the types of things that they could have simply forgotten or it just gives you better peace of mind. It's happened. Like things always always fall through. Um, It's normal for things to fall through. Uh, Don't freak out. Take a deep breath and act accordingly. So... 
let's skip ahead. How's it all going to work on race morning? So now we've gone through race week and it is the big day. Um, the first thing I'll say right before the big day gets there is sleep the night before. Get some sleep. Yes. You should, For sure. You should have done your planning well enough that you can rest the night before. You'll be excited. Yeah. But realize you got to trust your planning. There's going to be a million what ifs going through your head. But just realize that you'll address those as they come up the next day. Because they will come up. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of thinking through race day and this is this is still part of the planning process but these are the things that you got to kind of envision what will happen on race day yeah don't don't figure these out on race day these are things you need to know before race day um where are people going to park do you have a parking plan have you hired people to help park them how will you check in runners and volunteers run sign up <laughs> um when EMS arrives, where are you going to send them? What if there's a medical emergency? How are you going to communicate with EMS? Do you EMS? have walkie-talkies to give them? Do they have one to give you? How is, how is that working? Um, where are my volunteers going to go? <clears throat> how are you going to get your volunteers to where they need to go? So if you know you have 10 different points on the course where you want them to be, who's taking them there? How are you getting them there? Probably the golf cart or UTV that we talked about earlier. Good job, Courtney. <laughs> Uh, again, how will music be played? Who is emceeing? What are they going to be saying? Did you give them a script? Are you going to play the national anthem? What are you going to do? Um, what time can what time can music start? Like, does the city have an ordinance around noise? Um, I know a lot of times, like if a race starts at nine a.m., a lot of cities say you can't even play the music till eight, so you have kind of like an hour of silence. Um, but that's that's what it is. Um, What's your role on race morning? Like, figure it out and don't, like, coordinate that with the other people that are working with you and don't ever get stuck in, like, one spot. Like, if you're working at Packet Pickup on race morning, cool, but, like, be able to be flexible and bounce around. If you are, like, the lead race director and you have people working all those different stations for you, you need to be bouncing around and making sure and checking in with your staff and making sure everything's going okay. Yeah, that's something that we learned over the years that as the as a lead race director, you need to be able to free yourself to bounce around and never get stuck in one spot. Yeah. Um, you're really there to coordinate and make sure all your all the people that you're leaning on, your, you know, your they can um, rely on you as well. Yeah, they're you're answering their questions, you're making sure everything's going smoothly. That's your job on race day. If you get stuck behind a computer at packet pickup because there's a line, yeah, that's not doing anyone any good. No. Um, so definitely make sure that you are bouncing around. That is your role on race morning. What if there's severe weather? Um, think about you know how how that's going to work. How can you delay? Can you delay? Like if the roads are closed, like that's where you have to work with the EMS and the police again to see you know all right, how much time do we have for a delay here before we have to cancel this because the roads simply can't stay closed any longer if you're canceling can you postpone to the next weekend or are you talking about another year right and um it's likely non-refundable most races are non-refundable and there is a great reason why because you will quickly learn that it is very expensive to put on a race and all these things that we've discussed are are non-refundable to you the race director right like we had to cancel a race one year um and we had a race in december and we canceled it the morning of because there, it was a level three snow emergency and there was like three or four inches of ice on the ground. Um, you know what? We had to still pay for the tents, the EMS, um, the photography, the everything. Everything that went along with it, we still had to pay yeah, for. Yeah, the shirts were made, medals were made, yeah. bananas. Every, every, every cost, you, just because you canceled the race. Every cost still went into it and therefore it had to be paid. So you let your runners know this up front. Don't sit there and think, oh, well, maybe it'll be a good idea that I can make it, you know, I can appeal to more people saying that, hey, if the race is canceled, you get a refund. Mm-mm. No. Or get insurance for that. There yeah. is insurance out there for that, but in, yeah. look into that um, for sure. Um, and then how are you going to communicate this? So let's say it's, you know, thunder and lightning on race morning. How are you going to let your runners know that, hey, like, don't come to the start line yet? Yeah, like stay in your car or, yeah. you know, seek shelter. That's something where technology is going to help. Use social media, use email. If they opted in to text during online registration, 
all those types of things. Yeah. I think a few years ago, like the Cap City half had to cancel halfway through the race due to severe weather. And like people were literally sheltering in parking garages along the course because of the severe weather. And they were communicated with via like text message from the race. So I yeah. think, you know, just having a plan like that in place is really important. We, we live in a great time where we, whether you love it or hate it, you always have a phone nearby. So realize that that's a resource to use, <laughs> but have all that stuff set up in advance. Have your know that if we have lightning in the area you know exactly what you're doing yep. that's stuff that will help you sleep better the night before um so yeah what's your what's your post-race plan while we're at it you need to clean up yeah <laughs> how are you going to do it who's who's taking what down what time does stuff need to come down what are you going to do with leftover food water shirts other giveaways um can you donate it who is it getting donated to do you have to take it there can they come get it just things like that. And then, you know, obviously thank everyone involved. I mean, literally everyone that helped you, your volunteers, your EMS, your police, your government officials that helped get the permits through, the runners, your friends and family. Um, thank everyone involved because everybody that, that you worked with is the reason your race happened. Yep. And also while you're at it, while you're thinking your runners and volunteers, send post-race surveys to them. Yeah. Ask the volunteers how, how things work, where you can improve. And obviously ask the runners kind of the same thing. Um, ask specific questions. Don't just say on a scale of one to 10, how much did you enjoy this race? Thank you. Like right. ask specific questions, especially if you know where areas where you struggled, um, form questions around that because people love helping other people, especially if it's an event they believe in, mm -hmm. they want to make it better each year. For sure. So that's kind of the experience side of things mm -hmm. and the planning, but also we've talked about there's things that cost money to make this happen. So we have kind of two more sections in this podcast and we'll run through them. But the first section is going to be kind of things that you almost need to buy. Yeah. And then the second section dives into kind of a laundry list of Useful items that you either want to acquire from friends and family, buy, rent, yeah. somehow come across them. So let's go through kind of the things you need to think of that you pretty much have to buy in some shape or form to make the race happen. Insurance would be good. Yeah. Ins <laughs> insurance is is right up there with EMS where it's yeah. almost like you can't, you should not do a race without it. Without it. So get insurance. There's all sorts of snacks, food for volunteers and staff. Um, we're big fans of, you know, like coffee and donuts race morning for the staff. Um, or even you can like head to Costco or Sam's Club, pick up like the individually packaged like bags of chips or things like that. Just they're there to help you and they might be there for a few hours and get hungry. So having that and obviously bottled water for them as well is really important. Yeah, just literally bare bones at least go to like Sam's Club or Costco and just get tons of bottles of water. Um, other drinks like yeah, Gatorade make and them happy. snacks. Yeah, just have that because that stuff doesn't go bad. And afterwards, you can keep it yourself yeah. or donate it, whatever you want to do. Right. Um, and then, you know, from there, you can look at other things like, you know, hot coffee, food, like hot foods, things yeah. like that. But bare, bare minimum, just get the snacks. Um, you need, I shouldn't say you need, you're, you're expected to have some sort of giveaway. Yeah, like a shirt, a medal, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, Hoodie, hat. Your bibs. I mean, yeah. I guess we, yeah, like your race bibs. Your timer might include these. Um, so definitely talk to them about that. Um, food for the runners. Are you doing water and bananas at the finish line? Or what are you doing? Do you have a local pizza sponsor that can give pizza slices out yeah. to everyone? These are the things that, A, help sell your race, especially if you get like local food involved. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you definitely need something, you know, typically the bare minimum for runners is going to be a bottle of water and, uh, some type of like fruit or small snack. Granola that, bar. Yeah. Something. something um, like Oh, and speaking of bibs, how are you attaching those to the people's bodies? You need safety pins. Ask your timer. They can help you out with that. Um, and signage. Like again, people, you don't want them to get lost. So yard signs for simple things and like on the course. Um, like arrows, one-way traffic, narrow pathway, things like that. Um, banners for more for a more dramatic effect or like to show people where they're going. We did not have banners at our first race. Um, I don't know that you necessarily need them, but they add a nice touch. But again, that's somewhere you have to spend money. Um, backdrop photo banners. We have these. Um, 
But again, we did not have them at our first race. But they're, it's a cool opportunity for branding. People will take pictures like against the step and repeat, and then they'll post it on social media. Yep. So that's kind of the quick list of things you pretty much need to buy and build into your budget. Next list is kind of things that you will want to have there. And these are the ones where you should see, you know, hit up your friends mm-hmm. so you can rent, those types of things. So um, walkie-talkies are one of the most useful things you'll have on site. Yeah, I know this is under the things of like you might want, but like I think you'd actually want them. Um, I don't know. Or if you can use your cell phone. If you, if you have good reception where you are, like fine. But I think a walkie-talkie... It's more immediate. Yeah. Um, trash cans and bags. You do need trash receptacles of some sort. Sometimes you can rent these from the city. Sometimes you can't. Um, just make sure you have enough of them and place them place them every few feet so that you don't have a bunch of litter. Yeah. Um, disposable gloves, sharpies, box cutters, headlights. Yeah. What are headlights, Court? It's the fun thing you wear in your head. So that it you, looks, it <laughs> makes you look like a coal miner. You have yeah. like a, a flashlight um, on your head. But you need it so you can see because you're going to be out there in the early morning probably. Yeah. Typically, races typically races start sh- soon after the sunrise, but you will be there. Very, very early. Yeah, and Don't it's going to be dark. dark. So headlights um, are fun. Bug spray and sunscreen. Uh, tables, tablecloths. Pop-up tents. Um, how are you checking people in? Are they using it? Are you doing it on a computer, a tablet? Like, how are you doing that? Um, probably need a toolbox because things will break and you do need tools. Um, megaphone is always helpful or some way to communicate with people, whether it's a megaphone or a microphone. Um, an air horn to, you know, get the race started. And my favorite thing, zip ties. Zip ties can fix everything. Zip ties and duct tape can fix literally anything that's broken on race morning those t- those two things together can fix yes zip ties times 100 yeah that's one of yeah we are and always asking when we're setting up the race and on race morning hey where's zip ties at yeah just buy a bunch what? of zip ties and give them nuts. that that should be bumped up to the required items i think is zip and ties. a personal thing with zip ties cut the stupid tails of the zip ties off no one no one likes the look of a sloppy zip tie just yep. it doesn't take much work cut them off so <laughs> This was a long podcast. It's one that we hope if you listen through, you probably... That was are, useful. Yeah, that was useful, but you're probably feeling very overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, realize that, A, you can listen to this again. B, we gave as much information as possible. And... It's not it's, all uncomfortable. Like, it's not... It's not everything that you need. No. And every 5K is a little different, but this is kind of like a baseline. and It's a good place to start. Really, it's it's a lot of fun to plan. And if you do... The, the one thing that we kind of wanted to do with this podcast or this episode is really kind of put out the things that people don't think about until it's too late. Yeah. So if you think about these before, you're going to be kind of like a good steward for the running industry. You're going to put on your first 5K. You're not going to have as many hiccups as other people that kind of go blindly do it. So we want all 5Ks to be fun. We want them to be safe, well-organized, because it's good for you. It's good for the participants. It's good for everyone involved. So definitely don't feel overwhelmed. It's a lot, but it's a lot of fun to work through. Just stay organized and um, just kind of meticulously attack it. Have fun with it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I am ready to go. And I mean, we're already planning our, our races, but I think uh, it just gets me excited to get back out there this fall after having a Ooh-hoo. year off. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for another edition of the Fish Fry. We'll see you all next Friday. Cheers. Cheers.